Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 John chapter 1. Verse 8 through 10. I'm still on the same track that I started a couple of weeks ago. And that is involving the cover-up. And the cover-up is the cover-up that you and I often do with our sin. We'll do everything that we can, even to the point of disgrace and the grace of God with our sin if we're not careful. And uh, John sort of straightens out the water on this. And by the way, in context... John's not speaking to unbelievers. John's speaking to believers, those who are full of the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and are refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that God's Word has no place in our hearts. There's some key words that I don't want you to miss in those passages. One of them has to do with confession. Thank God that I don't have to wear a white collar. And uh, during the week, you have to come and I have to sit in a little box and you come and do confession. To be honest with you, I wouldn't do you any good, and they're not either. Well, you know the Bible says confess our faults one to another. That's absolutely true. But I'll tell you this, it's not going to do you do it, do you any good until you confess it to the right one. And the and first John says the right one is him. Who's him? It's Jesus. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. It's God the Son, and, and that's who. John says, look, we need to confess, which means to admit, to declare oneself guilty of what God accuses as wrong. Why do believers continue to sin after they get saved? Why? Is there anybody in here that all of a sudden after you got saved just quit sinning? You know, I hang out with a lot of people every once in a while. When you hear them talking, you'd go, good Lord, that sounds like they don't sin no more. Unfortunately, you don't have to sin, right? Anybody in here forced to sin? No. You don't have to, but as a believer, you do still choose to. Now, you know, that's a, it's one of them things where, why do we do that? And I think there are all kind of reasons why we do. But understand that the things that we declare oneself guilty of, it's the things that God has said is wrong. Just because I don't wear a coat and tie doesn't mean, and I don't meet your standard, it doesn't mean somebody says, you wore a coat today, that means somebody died. That's sad. Oh, and yeah, somebody did die. Sarah Lynn, help me. Skinner, three to five today. Brother Raymond will be seeing those that are friends at, at Scott Ward. So go by there if you, you know the family. But you know what? I don't have to wear a suit and tie. I don't have to cut my hair over my ears because you don't like it over my ears. Now, some of you are saying, oh, Lord, he's ruining everything I taught my kids. 
It looks better to have your hair, except when I was 16 or 17 years old. I got news for you. I look pretty good with long hair. It's about down on my shoulder. Nobody wanted me to date their daughter, but I thought it looked good. You see, God does have a standard, and, and it's the Word of God. The Word of God is our guide. And, and it doesn't matter whether you save, lost, full of the Holy Ghost or whatever. You still go by the guide. And don't let anybody lead you astray from that. This is our guide. Not your opinion. Not your private interpretation. I, don't, I could care less about your private interpretation. There's only one interpretation. And that's biblical. And then he says he'll cleanse us. Now, cleanse us means frees us from the guilt of sin. Now, that's deep. Because that's not just like going through the shower. That means eternally you and I have been freed and purified through the blood of Jesus. I like what Titus put it in chapter 3. Jesus saved us not because of the good things we do or we've done, but because of His Hear this now. His mercy. Not your good. Look, you couldn't work good enough and look good enough to me to follow you. But I'll sure follow Jesus. He said, he washed, Jesus washed away our sins, gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. He declared us, here it is, not guilty. Because of his great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. You say, Mike, how do you know that if I sin and I'm a believer and I die, that I won't go to hell? I can only go on what the Bible teaches. Not your opinion. Not your charismatic upbringing. Or what you've been taught as a Methodist. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just telling you, I know what they teach. And, and you, some of you still believe in that junk. And oneness because of John 3, 15. And if you would just take and listen to somebody that uses the Greek tools, you would know that salvation is in three tenses. It is, it is eternal life, past, present, and future. You say, what does that mean? It means I'm being saved from the power of sin. One day I will be saved from the presence of sin. And I've been saved from the penalty of sin or the presence of sin. That is, I've been saved from the penalty of sin by the death of Jesus. I'm being saved from the power of sin by the life of Jesus. And I will be saved from the presence of sin by the coming of Jesus. Now, in no way... Does it say that if I died and I was sinning, I cussed and died, that I'm going to bust hell wide open? Why? Because it's not based on what I do. It's based on what he's done. And why can't we get that? We think we can just righteously live our way in. I'll tell you, you're a sin. You, you may be a saint, but you're choosing to sin, and you sin more than you're admitting Some of you are carrying around sin that you're holding in secret. And only you know what that sin is. And I will remind you of Hebrews 6. If we could lose the gift of salvation, 
you will never, ever, 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 ever be able to be saved again. That's what the Bible... Listen to, listen to Hebrews 6.6. 6, New Living Translation. It would be impossible to bring one who falls away to repentance again. Now, unless you just don't understand that, you better get in there and study it for yourself. Because if you're going to sling out wrong doctrine, you better carry the, all the doctrine, carry the whole counsel of God. Don't go picking and choosing on me. I feel better now. One fella got in a testimony meeting one night, and he was telling how he had reached a state of maturity and perfection. And he never sinned anymore. His wife punched him and said, Honey, remember, I'm sitting beside you tonight. You claim all the junk you want to that you ain't sinning. And I'm not trying to give you a reason to sin because I believe with all my heart we have the power in Jesus not to commit sin if we choose it and that we accept it and walk in the freedom that he gives us. Problem is, don't do it. We do sin. We all sin. And sin is the reason for cleansing. Joe and I was talking about, we're going to pull one on you one Sunday and say, take up your hymn books and turn the page. Just so you can feel like you're in the old days. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my part in this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen, the Bible is very plain about sin. And when we, a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about Eve, and we are talking about Adam, in a perfect state, no sin was in their life. They were perfect. Nobody's ever walked the face of this earth perfect but Jesus. I wished I could hang around some of you perfect people. I just know better. You ain't perfect, and neither am I. So it's not so much the fact that are we going to sin... It's what we do with the sin that we commit. You know what Adam and Eve did? They hid it. They thought they were hiding their sin from God. They pulled together some fig leaves. I don't even know how you sow fig leaves. And if they did, they surely didn't hold together good. And God came along and said, Adam, Eve, where are Y'all remember car 57 tonight? That's a long time ago. I ain't died dating myself terribly. Because some of you remember that. You old like me. Where are you guys? You think God all of a sudden developed senility and didn't know where Adam and Eve were at? He knew exactly where they were at. He knew they weren't in sweet fellowship. You see, what they tried to cover up, we're going to try to uncover. First of all, by getting what, what we brought out last week, 
admitting the source of sin in James 1, verse 13 and 14. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away, notice this, by his own lust. Not my lust, your lust. That means if everybody's tempted, and everybody would say amen to that, right? That's not sin, right? But you also have your own personal lollipop desire. Now today, I'm going to leave here as quick as I can. And I'm going by McDonald's and go through the drive-thru. Yeah, preacher eats McDonald's too. Now, I can do one or three, two or three things. I can eat right, which if I ate right for me, I get a Happy Meal. Well, have you looked in the, well, I get a Happy Meal. And I know it don't have but four fries in it. And your choice of fruit or yogurt. That's what you need. But you see, I know some of you better than that. Some of you are going to go in there and say, I want a Big Mac. What number is that? Don't tell on yourself. Extra cheese. As if that thing didn't have enough. And an upper-sized drink. But you see, I know some of you are bigger. I mean, better than that. You're going to go through, I want three Big Macs, extra cheese on all three, and three extra uh, upper-sized fries. And give me a gallon drink while you're at it. And that ain't for the family. That's for you. See, all of you have your own little hidden desires. Now, it's called lust. Lust is not necessarily a bad thing because it means desire. <laughs> I, listen, I like to eat like, yo, it's a good desire. But three Big Macs is sin. You say, no, I'm big enough to handle it. That's why you're as big as you are. And it's sin. Go to your doctor and see if, it, if he'll tell you that your bigness is good to, for your heart. He's going to tell you, no, your body, if he's a Christian, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you're killing it. Now I'm meddling. Let's get back to this. You see, liberals say, I would ask this, but I got, I'm getting gunshot. I asked in the early service, what's a liberal? And they said, a Democrat. I didn't say politically. Theologically, what's a liberal? A liberal is one who doesn't teach the fundamentals of the faith the way they're written. I'll give you a liberal viewpoint. God created sin. You believe that? If he can't tempt anybody about sin, how did he create? The reason we have evil and sin, it's God's fault. No, it's not. So the two sources that I believe that sin comes from is Satan and his crowd. 
By the way, did God tempt Adam and Eve to sin? No. He gave them perfection without sin. And then Satan comes along, and what does he do? He points them right at the very thing they weren't supposed to do. Or it comes through man. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've ever said the devil made me do it, along with Flip Wilson, and I loved Flip Wilson when he was popular, you're buying into something that ain't right. Because God can't make you do anything. God won't make you eat those three Big Macs. And, and, you, and you heard about my chocolate cake two weeks ago. Many of you ain't forgot that either. I bet you some of you went home and got chocolate cake that day. <laughs> some of you emailed me the chocolate cake. I licked the screen. That's the best I could do. <laughs> Will Rogers said, there are two great movements. There's the passing of the buffalo and the passing of the buck. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, what Adam and Eve did was try to pass the buck after they failed. And Genesis 3, verse 12, it says, Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit. Adam then turned to God, and here's what he said. God, the reason I sinned was because of the woman you gave me. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Look, they both knew it was wrong. The man was supposed to be the spiritual leader. Ooh. Then why didn't he become the man and take a stand and say no? Why, did, why didn't he do that? Now, you guys would love to blame it on Adam. I mean, Eve. But you can't. Now, listen to me. When you go blaming other people for your sin, you'll never deal with it. God expects you to, to admit what is wrong in your life and deal. Peel and deal. You know what that means? Face it. Name it. Put it down and walk away from it. That's pretty good if it's murder. I can do that, but that chocolate cake's killing me. You see, all of you have your own desires. The Bible says you're all tempted. All of you. So, what do we do with this thing? Well, one thing you need to understand, that God tests us. He doesn't tempt us. He tests us to strengthen us. But he'll never tempt you to destroy you or weaken your faith. That's not God's agenda. It's not who he is. You see, lust is an evil desire to fulfill a carnal appetite. While sleep is good, laziness is sin. While giving is good, greed is sin. While sex is good, fornication is uh, adultery, homosexuality, a lesbian, that's all wrong. Wrong. By the way, you can blame all you want to on God that you were born a homosexual if you want to, but that's all you're doing. You're just doing it like Adam. Can you imagine if God wanted us to, men to hook up with a man 
Wouldn't he have said Adam and Steve instead of Adam and Eve? Excuse me, Steve. I didn't mean to use this. Don't pull your gun, man. I just. But, hey, you ever seen two men or two women produce any offspring? You wouldn't be here to hear me preach if somebody, somebody didn't follow God. So don't believe that garbage. I was born that way. You weren't born to kiss no man as a man no more, and you were a woman born to kiss no woman. That's your choice. That's the way God intended it. If God intended it anything different, first of all, he wouldn't call it outside of nature. And second of all, you could produce offspring. It would have made sense. Feel better about that too. Two preachers were talking over lunch, and one suggested that they get together and have a sin confession meeting. Preacher said, Sounds good to me. Confess your faults one to another. So the first preacher said, You know what? I hate that anybody's hearing this, but I have to admit, every once in a while, I like to take an occasional drink. Turned to the next preacher, he said, okay, how about you? He said, well, I don't really want anybody to know about this, but he said, I like to gamble. The third one, as both preachers looked at him and said, now we've confessed all our sins to you. It's your turn. And the third preacher said, okay. He said, my sin is gossip. He said, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to get out of here and tell everything I just heard. (laughs) What happened? What would happen if whatever it is that you carry in that little black box that eats at you every day and you keeping it a secret, what would happen if everybody went out and just started telling you? What would happen? You see, that leads to the second thing, that we must avoid... The secrecy of sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says, God says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he who confesseth it and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Well, then why? Why do we have to talk about this kind of stuff? That's an Old Testament verse. It might be an Old Testament verse, but if you hang it on to secret sin, it will be brought into the 2015 year. Quickly. Now, if I were to say to you, uh, preacher, I want to prosper. And I were to say, I'm going to, for the next 15 minutes, tell you how to prosper. And at the end of the week, if you do what I tell you, you'll have $10,000 in the bank. How many would love to hear that kind of advice? Oh, you're liars now. Sure, you'd want to know that. But if I backed up and said, I'll tell you what, for five minutes, only five, I'm going to tell you how to become in, po- in poverty, how to live a poor man. You wouldn't want to hear that. Because, see, we're not wired that way. We don't want to hear all that kind of stuff. 
We want to, that's why we get caught up, and I do, and everybody else get rid schemes and anything that we can listen to that would better our life. But you see, you can't cover sin. It means to conceal it. It means to hide it. It means to keep it a secret. Now, it's true. David committed the sin of adultery. To cover it up, after he had Uriah killed, he then committed the sin of murder. And it was concealed. It was kept a secret. Until Don't you turn there. Second Samuel. Chapter twelve. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich. One was poor. The rich man owned many sheep and cattle. The poor man, listen how poor he was. He owned nothing but one little lamb. And it grew up with his children. It ate from his own plate. It drank from his own cup. That's a special little lamb. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at at the home of a rich man, but instead of killing a lamb from his own flocks for food, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and served it to his guests. David, the Bible says, was furious. Listen to what he said. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. Well, that's coming from a a king. Have you put to death? He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Now get this. David is blind as a bat here, spiritually. He was a king. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. The man says he loved, the Bible says he loved the Lord. The Bible even gives great indication that he wrote under the inspiration, the scripture, many of the book of Psalms. And yet, here's what he had to hear. Nathan looked at David and said, You are that man. You're that man. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you the king of Israel, saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you his house and his wives and kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if it had not been, if that hadn't been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then? Have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? Now, some say, yeah, it was terrible. I mean, it was terrible to commit adultery with Bathsheba. Yeah, man, it was awful to have Uriah killed. But I'm wondering if this is not why God said what he said in verse 12. David, you did all of that in secret. But I will do this to you openly. In the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed his sin finally to Nathan. 
I've sinned against God. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin, but you have given the enemies, the Lord, the great opportunity to despise and blaspheme him, so your child will die. If you read Psalms 33, you read Psalm 51, you read Psalms 38, you'll see that there's great consequences for the sin as, sin, as saints that we choose. Remember what I said. You don't have to sin. But for some reason, as believers, we're still choosing to do so. Understand that what you bring in secret, you see, as a sinner, when it comes to sin, sinners bathe in it. They love it. Saints can't. You want to know whether or not you're a saint? How do you treat your sin? How do you treat your secret sin? The sin that I told you about, that you would really not want all the congregation to know. And I'm not talking about sins of past. We're going to talk about that next time. I'm talking about the sins of today, the sin you brought in here that you keep hiding. And it's right here. Oh, Mike, I don't sin. Go back and read 1 John 1, brother. I don't believe you. I wished I could, but I don't. And the invitation is pretty simple. As a believer, John says to confess it, to admit it, to repent of it, and be cleansed. <clears throat> that is in regard to your fellowship. Fellowship pastors. If you're here today and you're not a believer, the Lord wants to hear one prayer from you, my friend. He wants to hear that you're lost in need of a Savior. He wants to hear that you need Him and that you desire Him and that you want Him to come into your heart and life and live in you. With your head bowed.